This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the pilot episode of Long Shadows, a new show that is going to uh, be living on the Patreon stream. What is Long Shadows exactly? Uh, it's a show that Ralph and I are going to host, co-host together, that is going to be dedicated to weird fiction and the associated philosophies that accompany that style of writing. So, Ralph, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me again. Hello, everybody out there. Hope you're doing fine. and had a good start to the new year. And yeah, excited uh, to go into this new format of ours. But before we get going, I want to uh, thank everyone that joined our brand new Patreon, which we just launched. And uh, I have to say, I'm very humbled by the success of this endeavor. And I'd like to thank everybody that joined. I'm going to read off the name of the recent patrons that joined us. Thank you to Nick, Martin, Edward, Ed, James, Brandon. And that's Brandon Legion, by the way, of uh, the Horror Wolf podcast. Just want to single him out. Kent, Dave, Christopher, Charlie, Stefano, Mike, Quentin, Philip. Dave, Joe, David, Scott, Braden, and Retta. Okay, now, mostly guys, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank Retta for joining to be the second uh, lady to, to join the squad, so, uh, but still mostly dudes, so that's, that's all, that's cool, still, you know. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, welcome to the cis male podcast. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, you know, I have to say that we got a pretty good spread of uh, of different of people from across the, the the globe, though. You know, it's not just all people from Jersey or something like that listening to the show. So I'd like to you know say welcome and uh, and thanks. Yeah. Also, the interactions on the on the on the Instagram are getting more. So we'll see you there, and uh, we'll read your comments. We'll get back to you and. Uh, Thanks for uh, reposting our stories, mentioning in, our, in, in, our, in your stories. Uh, it's always appreciated. It's, uh, you know, the podcast game is big and there's a lot of stuff out there for everybody. So giving us your time is really a cool thing and spreading the words. That's pretty much how this works. If you like it, spread the word, tell somebody. And then uh, Mike can continuing with Everything Went Black and I'll tell him like, co-host which is fun and i love it and uh yeah thanks for everybody who shared love out there and gave like love for this, the content we produce and i mean it's still like it's it's still mike's podcast don't get me wrong i'm just like a guest now and then and i'm happy to be here but it's um yeah people seem to like what we do and uh i mean mike you've been doing it for 10 years so it's cool that there's more <laughs> attention to it now so yeah yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, it kind of ebbed and flowed. Like, there was definitely a lull when I was hosting Metal Matters because that was taking up most of my time. And, um, you know, that was, that was a de- pretty good experience. But uh, I, now there's been, like, a, a part two, like a chapter two to the, to the podcast since I left Metal Matters and put my energy into doing this, you know. Yeah. Uh, but also I want to mention that the, the proceeds from the Patreon, every quarter I'm going to be donating the, the monthly proceeds. And um, I, I found uh, a literacy, uh, you know, organization that I want to donate the first money to. And that's called uh, Reading Partners. And basically what it is is uh, <clears throat> they have partners that identify students that are six months or more behind their grade level in reading. And then they send out a volunteer, like one of these you know, people, to go out there and deliver individualized one-on-one tutoring twice a week for 45 minutes each to follow like a certain curriculum tailored to the student. And that continues until the, uh, the student becomes a, a confident reader. So I went into this um, you know, mainly because it, it, it's, you know, it's altruistic for sure. Like I want people to succeed in life. And one of the, one of the um, only things that, one of the biggest things that will hold you back in life is if you don't know how to read. Now, we all take that for granted, the idea that we can look at a page and have these symbols on it, interpret what those symbols mean, and have our minds create an image based on what we're taking in through our eyes. We take that for granted almost every day, I think. And there are some people out there that don't have that skill. And imagine what kind of disadvantage you might be at if that's you. So that's um that's my first my first uh, thing. I thought about doing an animal. Um, you know, I love animal. I'm an animal lover. But my thing is like, if you need to know how to read before you can take care of a, an animal, in my opinion. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's it. And then also, you know, of course, there's like the the vitriolic side of me as I observe so much ignorance in this country and the world. And let's help those people, man. Let's uh, <laughs> let's try to like eliminate. People out there uh, who get all their news from YouTube and um, actually encourage them to read and expand their minds. So that's that's my uh, yeah. my mission statement here. That's that's awesome. I think that's a good cause to donate to, and you know I'm all all about that. And especially like uh, what you said about like ho- like supporting uh, supporting animal stuff in the future i'm a big animal guy too and i think that the the thing you just mentioned our regular listener danny my good friend um she will she will uh, totally back that because when she and i got our first two cats and we had we had shit ideas about this we had no idea and did so much wrong i mean we didn't mistreat them but like we could have done stuff better and then she studied cat psychology and uh what we learned about this and now she just adopted the dog teaches and uh yeah she reads a lot of books and you can treat people better you can treat animals better if you know what you're doing with and reading is like a huge skill so good my uh tipping my hats to both these causes and glad to be part of it so yeah you could be part of this by if you join the patreon and uh, you can go either to the Everything Went Black media website, and there's a pop-up that will take you to it, or you can look us up, Everything Went Black, on, um, on Patreon. And, you know, you know, you can join for $1. That's it. And you, $1, $5, and Ralph and I discussed maybe doing some higher-level 
contributing. But right now, what that buys you is all of the bonus content. This show is going, this, the future episodes of Long Shadows is going to be on Patreon. There's um, a bunch of different things I've already put up there uh, that have to do with, uh, you know, new, writing new tombs material, uh, some of the older bands that people have been interested in. Um, you know, live radio broadcasts that I've record that have been recorded, um, demos, future projects, like that kind of stuff. Um, that's all on there, and you also get early access at at the five dollar level to all of the regular shows. I mean, all this stuff is recorded in advance and scheduled. So um, if you gotta have it right away, and you join at five dollars, you get access to everything that has been that is scheduled to come out. At, the, at once so you can listen to hours and hours and hours of me droning on or talking to some <laughs> guest or whatever you know so that's that's all the stuff you get and then you also get the uh quarterly you can be part of the quarterly uh donation to um a, a, a charity that we can also agree on like this is my first idea of of uh you know this reading reading uh partners uh charity but as time goes on, you know, we can interact, and if anyone wants to suggest something, uh, we can do that, you know, and that, that's, uh, that's how it works. Awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Go ahead. Yeah, let's, let's, tell, let's tell the people what we have in store for them with Long Shadows. Okay, so. First, I decided, you know, what is weird fiction? You know, like, I take it for granted that no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. Like, I've had, I, I remember I was at, um a horror convention and there was an author there and I was looking at his books and, and he's like, well, what, what do you, you know, what kind, what are you into? You know, what, what do you like? He asked me, and I was like, weird fiction. And he's like, looked at me with a puzzled look on his face. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that, that, that's not something that people say all the time. I guess it's like, <laughs> I'm into horror. I'm into zombie stories. I'm into werewolves. I mean, I like all that stuff too. You know, I like science fiction, I like hard sci-fi, whatever. So let's uh, let's kind of define what weird fiction actually is, and uh, you know we can discuss these meanings here. Yeah. So yeah, when when did it start? I think the the, the actual term weird fiction was branded somewhere in the 1930s. Um, pretty much uh, like to quote one of the. Uh, like the one, maybe the most innovative and most important person when it comes to this is Edgar Allan Poe. Ah, no, H.P. Lovecraft. Sorry, got yeah. confused there with the pioneer. Um, and I mean, there's this distinction between horror and straight up, like straight up horror and gothic and, and weird fiction. And he says, like, weird fiction needs to have an atmosphere of breathless and unexplainable dread. And that's kind of a good summary. So weird fiction, mostly short stories, mostly something you read and there's this kind of feeling of dread and misery in the air, but if you couldn't really grasp it, it doesn't necessarily have to have a monster in it or something. It's just like something is uncomfortable and it scares you a bit and it can be from all sorts of reasons. Would you agree with that, Mike? I would agree with that statement. And I'm also going to add what, it, what weird fiction is not. Okay, so the things yeah. that are absent primarily from weird fiction are you know, your typical monsters like vampires, werewolves, 
generally there aren't any ghosts, even though there are spiritually appar- spiritual, like spirit-like apparitions, possibly. Um, none of that stuff is typically found in weird fiction. The monsters or entities are typically um, more on the cosmic level or of the ancient variety or come from some other dimension or some other corner of the universe or exist in like the the mind, this like weird hyperspace reality that connects with the protagonist's mind somewhere. So it's not, in some cases, it's even like this uh, formless creature, you know, with like a... You know, like uh, in, in a Lovecraftian story, there's a lot of formless creatures that he does this very vague description and allows your mind to formulate what this thing actually looks like. Yeah, that's why a lot of Lovecraft productions fail because, like, they try to actually portray a monster and with stupid CGI, and then it mostly looks terrible. Um, I mean, I, we talked about the show uh, Lovecraft Country, which is only loosely related to Lovecraft. But they did some CGI monsters and it was just like cringeworthy. It was not good. Yeah. And one, one of the things that's interesting, too, is like just to cite um, you know, a recently made film, Color Out of Space. The, the description of this color, is, if you read the text, it's a color like, like I've never seen before. You know, it's. You can't, it's like something that is completely tasked for the reader to formulate what this color actually looks like because it's something that you've never seen before. So that, that's kind of like this, you know, some people have uh, you know, criticized Lovecraft's writing because he, he goes to that a lot when he talks about angles and geometry and colors. It's like, oh, it's something you've never seen before. It's indescribable. But that, that is kind of the cornerstone of weird fiction, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like, it's not typical, your typical ghost story, but like this, this specters looming in the shadows or something. It could be a ghost in a, in a weird fiction story, but it's not like there's this thing that you would portray in, in a white, you know, white cloth with two dark eyes or something like this. Yeah. It's more, yeah, weird fiction is, it's is like, it's fucking with your mind, with your brain while reading. And that's what got me into it in the first place. I mean, as a young kid, you grow up with stuff that is like actually visible. I don't know, like who decides if you're more the the hero or the villain guy. But I remember like when I started out watching because I was thinking about like, when did I get into weird fiction and what was my like entry point to that? But I remember like when I watched morning cartoons, um, watched Transformers, G.I. Joe, all this kind of stuff. I was kind of always more attracted to the bad guys. I don't, I wouldn't say like I'm a bad guy, but like, I don't know, like in stories, this always attracted me the most. And when I got into horror movies, I kind of rooted for the bad guys, you know, like these icons like, like uh, Freddy Krueger, which was one of my entry points, or Tim Curry as It. Pennywise so like this stuff always really fascinated me and then I got in like when I got into horror I never was I was never a big fan of splatter or like really violent horror that's still to this day not my thing um 
But if the, if it's something that is like looming in the shadows, something like Blair Witch, this really spoke to me. Yeah. All the way hereditary portrays horror. That's the kind of stuff that gets me. And I think weird fiction is exactly in that realm. You can't describe it properly. It's something that's just uncomfortable. And I have some. I wrote something down here because, like as I mentioned before, I teach philosophy in school, and. The general idea of philosophy is the question of why is a thing like it is? Why is someone acting like he is? Why is it this way? And the 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 astoundment, the the unease of not understanding something properly but wanting to know, and that's what drives you to to read weird fiction. You want to know what it is. You're not going to be satisfied in the end, but the journey that's what counts. Also, I'd just like to add that there's another term uh, that's associated with weird fiction called cosmic horror, which actually, I think, dovetails into what you just said. And uh, one of the things that uh, weird fiction slash cosmic horror is that the idea that the universe and the world that you live in, that you're only perceiving maybe a fraction of what actually exists. And that's like one of the most awe-inspiring things about weird fiction, in my opinion. And, um, you know, Lovecraft works with that quite a bit, uh, where, you know, as a human, you're experiencing the world and the universe in a certain way, but you're only taking in a, a fraction of what the universe really is like. And when that is revealed to the protagonist, it usually drives him insane and he you know, kills himself or you know, driven into madness. You know, so that's like a big point too. Yeah, and it's, it's almost social criticism if you want to portray it like this. If I look at my job as a teacher, I have a curriculum which is like constructed by the state. This is the stuff mostly enforced by the industry this is what we want to have in the people leaving school so they can be a worker and um you're like you have like opportunities or possibilities to mention stuff outside of the box but for example i'm not allowed to state my political opinion which i still do um and i could get fired for this and uh it's just like I just taught, like, in a philosophy class, a, a ninth graders, so they're 13 to 15, something like this. And we, we, you have to teach about the five biggest religions of the world. So we spoke about Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Of course, well, they were kind of interested. But then I did, like, a lesson on sects and spiritual cults and you know, brought into people's temple and stuff like this. And these kids were so fascinated that something like this could happen. And that's like, I that's what I wanted to hear when I was younger, when I found out about this. And they're like, so they, they got more out of the idea of what religion is and can be, like to drive people also crazy and also to give them security. But that's the aspects of life that no one talks to you about. My parents never talked to me about sexuality or anything or like criticism wasn't allowed. But there is this world outside of the stuff that regular people, the norm, outside of the norm that what people tell you. And I think the writers of weird fiction, they really try to like make you doubt that everything you learn in school or from the norm is all that is out there. Yeah, exactly. It, and and. In general, I mean, I, I got into a lot of this stuff at a pretty young age, and I think that it was a really key 
to inspiring a lot of my imagination too, you know, and, and it, it, yeah. it, it challenged you that the world as you perceive it might not be true. And I think that's like one of the biggest takeaways from reading this material. Um, yeah. I also want to add that uh, there's a strong connection between weird fiction and um, dark fantasy, you know, and that's kind of actually how I discovered Lovecraft was through reading uh, Robert E. Howard's Conan stories and uh, some of his other, and, and Robert E. Howard actually has his own quote unquote weird fiction stories as well. And um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there was a publication uh, called Weird Tales that um, published all these original guys. You know, they had like Robert E. Howard, H.P. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith. Um, they all had their starts in this magazine. And they all had, with the exception of maybe Lovecraft, I don't think he, well, actually he had some sort of heroic fantasy style, dark fantasy stories as well. So there, there is a crossover with weird fiction and guys with swords and, you know, that kind of thing, too. So if you like that, there's stuff like that in there as well. Yeah, and also this is uh, a typical aspect of these weird fiction tales is that they're mostly short stories. They're not like novellas of like 300 plus pages. They're short stories. And it's a format that I came to appreciate like early on and... Uh, it's just like if you commit to a book and you're halfway through it and it starts to get boring, the question is always like, will I finish it now or do I just like put it away? With short stories, it's just like, okay, this is like 10 pages, 15 pages, let it be 30 pages. But it's a goal you can easily like attack and can see if you want more. And kind of like this, the, like the boom of the TV shows, are like that TV shows are more popular than, than movies. It's because you commit for one episode and you can decide if you want to go on. And now with these, I mean, I never had a Weird Tales magazine in my hand. I just know them from pictures. I saw them on the internet. Um, there's some compendiums that you can buy, but I've never had one. But nowadays there's um, like weird, some kind of like ghost story compendiums where you have stories by M.R. James or... Uh, a Lovecraft story or a Poe story or a Ligotti story in one book. Like, people do this. And I think that's cool because it's, uh, like, like a com I would compare it to what we talked about earlier. You buy a CD of a death metal band and you see these five guys looking the same, but they have, like, different shirts on and in their thanks list are <laughs> 25 other bands. And then you check them out and this universe opens up. And with these books, it's like you read something... You maybe dislike James, but you find your home with Ligotti, and then you go on to read Ligotti, and then you find something out in another book, and you know, like, it spreads. You have time. You can choose your own path. Yeah. Well, another um, added bonus is that Weird Tales is back in action, actually. It's, um, it's being published again, and uh, I have, the, I have a two, two, two issues of it um, on my Kindle that I've read, and it's great. Like I've read uh, some of the uh, collected editions of the tales, and um, you know, I discovered some other writers aside from the original ones that I that I knew about. And this really is you can you can go on Amazon and find weird tales, and uh, just get the Kindle versions if you want for relatively cheap. But uh, but yeah, uh, Weird Tales was founded in 1922, and it definitely was like the the gateway for a lot of these writers to to find 
uh, an audience, you know. And there was a couple of other magazines from that time. One was called Strange Tales, you know, <laughs> which is like a mm. you know, not a very Im- imaginative, uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, and there was another one called Unknown Worlds, which um, that that title I have never read any issues of Unknown Worlds, but I'm like that sounds like very very enticing to me. If you ask me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, here. I remember when I um, when I was younger, and uh, there's. I mean, and that's that's crazy because like doing research and thinking about this episode, I I checked and it's still there. Kind of like the weird tales you talk about. In Germany, we had something that the German listeners probably will all know. Like normally, when you go to a supermarket here the last aisle before you go to the counter is magazines. So you have your TV magazines, and I wonder if people still read them nowadays, except for like people with 100 and above. <laughs> um, uh, you have like your kitchen magazines, sports, newspapers, and shit, and there's always this like, okay, music magazines, which was always interesting to me when I was younger. But they also had like some, 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 um, and like not animes, that's new now, but like they had some comic books in weird forms. So, like, they, they pressed, like, I remember the Secret Wars of Avengers in a A5 format paperback. Oh, wow. And yeah, stuff like this, you know, like weird, weird magazines in a way. And there's one thing that's just kind of like this, ugh, I think, 70 pages A5 magazine called Gespenstergeschichten, which is ghost stories. And it's cartoons, like it's comic books, it's drawn in a really creepy way. And it always has like these weird stories that can be everything. It's not only ghost stories. I remember there was one about a spook. It's like, I think the gold bug of Edgar Allan Poe was portrayed there in a 10 pages graphic comic book. Um, it had like something about a jester that was killing people. And then the next story was like a vampire story. So it had the same idea that I just mentioned with like having three short stories that are creepy back to back in this cool drawing. And uh, it could be everything. And I remember that I got into them and they had weird fiction too in there. So stories that didn't have like a necessarily like a demon or a monster or a zombie, but something that was just creepy. And yeah, like I said, this is what spoke to me the most. And to this day in horror is like, what does it the most to me? Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll see if I can track down a copy of this and I'll send you one over just because it's just really done really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. There's also a couple of documentaries out there. And um, actually, let's talk about the ST Joshi, who is sort of a... Um, an authority on this sort of stuff, specifically Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, he, he wrote a, he's the author of I Am Providence, which is you know, essentially a biography of Lovecraft. And he's also featured prominently in these uh, two documentaries. Uh, one's a Lovecraft documentary, and the other one's called Emperor of Dreams, about Clark, Clark Ashton Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. they go you know, pretty deep into the both authors' work and uh, both of them are essential to this uh, this form of writing, this form of this genre of fiction. And uh, the cool cool aside about the Lovecraft doc is um, a couple of years ago, um, before the plague, I uh, went to the Salem Horror Fest, and uh, you know spent a few days up there doing my thing. 
and one of the events that I went to was a screening of a Lovecraft documentary in a, in a church, an old church that has been converted into like an arts center. And uh, it was at the end of the day, you know, it was in October, obviously, so it was dark out. And uh, it was just fucking awesome, man, going to this place, sitting at a pew, like in, a, in an actual church with all the stained glass and all this like iconography around you. And then having this projected and watching it at, on a, a projection, you know, as a projection. And it was like oh, man. really, really cool. And um, I, I've since then I've uh, purchased it, uh, you know, to own. But actually, if you're um, a subscriber to Shudder, both of these uh, documentaries are currently on Shudder right now, so you can watch them as part of your subscription. I haven't seen either of them, but I will track them down as always on my semi-legal ways because we don't have Shudder. <laughs> um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, no. it's always, always, yeah. It's always terrible when you know, when I see like you post something on Necro or Brandon is posting something or Carl. They all like give these great suggestions. Hey, it's on Shutter. Watch it. I'm like, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Let's see, like, which web page in shitty quality will offer it to me. That's a bummer, man. Yeah. <laughs> now there's a quick uh, disclaimer here. And in case, in case like you're, you know, you, you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this sounds like it's right up my alley. Like, I love all the stuff you guys are talking about. I'm going to go back and start reading Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard and all this stuff. Now, the original stuff that came out because of the, now we're talking about this stuff is written like almost a hundred years ago. All right. So if you go online, you look up H.P. Lovecraft, there's tons of people out there in the uh, kind of woke community who are citing him as being a racist and a, you know, xenophobe and all this stuff. Now that's not unt entirely untrue. Let's let we, you know, I feel like it's my responsibility or our responsibility to bring up that there will, there are definitely things within the Lovecraft stories that are going to be offensive to you and they offend me. And, but also um, I have the ability to understand that, is the result of the xenophobic times that this person lived in and also of his very insular lifestyle. And you can agree, not agree with someone's ideology and still appreciate the good that you see in their work. And that, that's what I'm going to say about Lovecraft and some of his contemporaries. I mean, I have, <clears throat> I always wonder, like, we, we got shit with planks because on our one CD it said, like, sounds like dark throne and they were like oh no you can't mention dark throne I'm like, oh, god <clears throat> and uh i mean i have poe tattooed on my right arm on the, on the biceps and on the triceps i have lovecraft and uh i never got shit for this because i mean pro uh, poe was pro-slavery in the beginning and uh and and uh lovecraft yeah he had his opinions but both of them like went back and we rethought what they like their opinions about that but it's it's yeah it's it was that time it doesn't make it any better. Um, I can't like I'll, of course my my favorite Lovecraft story features a cat that has a name that I won't mention mention you right now because white people can't use the N word, and um, yeah that's the name of the cat, and it's just like ah oh, dude like does it have to be like this? But then again it's like it's been so long ago. 
I don't think that anyone will go back and like change the Lovecraft like stories and like take out these nods to stuff that's not cool. And I mean, nowadays movies get re-edited or something, but uh, I don't think someone will go back and will change the rats on the wall. <laughs> I hope not, you know. And and that's the thing. It's like like I like I said earlier. A lot of this we're looking at a hundred years ago, in all intents and purposes, that this material was authored, and. Um, in the early, early uh, weird fiction and heroic fantasy, like even Robert E. Howard's work, there was, there was a different perception of, of the um, the other. You know, there's always like the other, like another race of creatures, or, you know, something from a different universe, or the Shoggoths, or something like that, that were different, and there was like this um, animosity or suspicion of. You know, or, or even in Dagon, you know, in Shadow over Innsmouth, like the the fish people yeah. that live in that town, like they're a di- they're different. There's like a different thing that these days people they they interpret that as the fear of other cultures or other races and things like that. But I mean, sure, I I, I totally accept other people's interpretations of it. But also, at the end of the day, you're you're reading a story about. Uh, uh, a, a town filled with fish people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, let, let's, let's not read too deeply into that on a socio-political level and just enjoy it as like a, a horror story, you know? Yeah. And again, like if you, if you feel offended by this, which is totally okay, if you are, then don't read it. You know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's so hard. That's a discussion I always try to avoid because it's got like, it, it's taken like the whole cancel culture and woke cultures. It's difficult. I can sometimes understand them. Sometimes they just go too far. I mean, I mentioned before on the podcast, I was victimized by this myself, uh, better like my band. And it's just like, sometimes you just think people get stuff wrong. And I think like, like you said, like if you want to find something offensive in stories, you can find, but dude, is there anyone out there who's not watching the old James Bond movies and thinks like this wouldn't fly nowadays, but they still watch them? I think that's that's just it's a sign of the time, and it's good that it's changing. And I guess there will be weird fiction. Uh, my dad, there is tons of weird fiction that is politically correct, and but the forefathers they lived in a different time, which doesn't make it okay, but it makes it maybe um, you can accept it, you know, for what it is. Well, I'd like to add to that, too. And I think that, um, like, with the quote-unquote cancel culture of... It eliminates critical thinking in a lot of ways. Where, okay, I can't can't read this because it has this in it. It takes away your freedom to actually analyze and critically absorb something and understand what you don't like about it and what you do like about it, what's not valid and what is valid. And rather than just following like a checklist of, of items that are, you know, approved and not approved. And that approval criteria is also subject to change, you know, and, and uh, it, it's, it's a fluid sort of thing. And I, I'm totally against any kind of stuff like that that takes away your ability to criticize something or to be critical in your thinking and to make your own decisions. So that, that's my statement on it. But yeah, man, like what we're doing right now for people listening out there, this is pretty much what our idea about the long shadows is that we will 
We will take the stories. We will talk about the stories. But it will be more than just like, so this is what, uh, this is a summary of the story. And uh, hope you like it. Go read it. Like, we will go into things that we found in reading these stories, our interpretations, con and also like um, co like connecting them to our own lives. Because mostly the stories that resonate most with you are the ones that have uh, have some key element to it that you're afraid of or that uh, is important to you. That's why, for example, I will always back the two, like the proper Blair Witch movies, not the weird second one from the 90s. Um, because it's just like, dude, when I go through the forest alone and there are rocks like making sounds, I will piss my pants because it's fucking scary. So this movie works for me. That's why I like to watch it. And, uh, and this is like the stories that we will talk about have some kind of connections, why we like them so much, and we will discuss that. And uh, what we got as feedback is that people enjoyed most when we drift off into a more philosophical space and talking about the political, political stuff like we did now, or like cancel culture, but also other things. That's part of the deal here. So um, if you're enjoying what you heard so far from our ideas, Long Shadows might be right up your alley. Well, real quick, you mentioned the Blair Witch Project. And um, now there's also an ad another adjacent subgenre called folk horror, which uh, is all the rage these yes. days. And uh, yeah. yeah, there's definitely some crossover with that. And, um, you know, Arthur Machen and uh, Algernon Blackwood, uh, Blackwood being one of the godfathers of weird fiction, uh, mm -hmm. specifically his story, The Willows. Uh, can can kind of like uh, have a foot in both worlds of weird fiction and folk horror, and you know maybe that maybe we'll dedicate a whole episode to our favorite folk horror stuff too. But uh, I feel yeah. like I feel like that almost is more of like a, a cinematic uh, genre as opposed to a uh, yes. liter literary genre. Yeah, but it's um, still like if you uh, go back to the to the roots of um, weird fiction, it was the like I also an idea to clearly uh, distinguish yourself from the folk horror aspect. That's why it, it, like someone referred to as the tentacles, tentacle stories, because in traditional European folk horror, tentacles didn't play a role. But in a lot of the cosmic horror tentacles, you know, I mean, for Lovecraft, definitely. But in also in other weird fiction stories, like these other elements play a role. So they try to distinguish themselves from folk horror while certainly having key aspects of folk horror in it. If you read like some of the Lovecraft stories about desolate towns in the middle of the forest having weird rituals, that's all folk horror all the time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, we talk about Poe, who is definitely one of the godfathers of, of weird fiction. But I'd like to make a connection between him and Thomas Ligotti because when I read, like, when I first started reading Ligotti, he his his style of writing is very reminiscent of uh, of Poe. Yes, I can see that. I'm a big Poe fan, and when you turned me on to Ligotti, I really saw the same thing. It's easily accessible. It's not like because, as for me as a German, that is good in English to read Lovecraft in English is, is a task. So I will have to look up some words because it's really difficult. 
Post stories, not so much. They're easy accessible in the Gaudi, the same thing. Because I think like the, the main idea of Poe, and we'll get into this when we talk about a Poe story, which we will do at some point. Um, uh, he trimmed the fat out of stories. He said like everything that's not necessarily will be cut away from stories. That's why it's short and it's on point and what you read is what you need to like think about it. Actually, it's uh, Poe is reminiscent of one of my non-horror uh, favorite writers, and that would be Ernest Hemingway. They both have this very terse, almost laconic style to their writing. Yep. And I, I also want to add that even as an uh, English-speaking uh, person, reading Lovecraft is still a task. <laughs> you know, a lot of this stuff <laughs> okay. is very, 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 uh, it requires a lot of attention, shall I say. Yeah. 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 Uh, glad then, then then I feel better about my English. <laughs> oh no, it's not just you, man. I even it's like as a young kid, man. I remember I was I think I started reading Robert E. Howard. Maybe I was like twelve or thirteen, maybe. And um, like I'd read the Conan comic books before that, and Savage Tales or Savage Sword of Conan, the black and white. <laughs> they would also have Howard's other characters, like Brian McMorn was always a big you know second feature. And that's when I discovered the name H.P. Lovecraft. And then I went down to the, uh, the book and record store in my hometown, which I've referred to many occasions. They had a huge section of fantasy and horror. And, of course, I found those early editions that came out in the 80s of all those Lovecraft stories. So I bought a few of those. And I was like, man, this is like, like almost like reading J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, there's like a very... Yep. Like the, the reading... And maybe that's what was good for a young young kid like that to have to struggle through a lot of that stuff, and it built up my vocabulary and I increased my reading skills and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah I have the same same comparison to Melville because uh, and and also Jules Verne. So like the French guys when they wrote their their stories, they also had a lot of like technical aspects that were really precise, especially like with. Uh, with the uh, 20,000 leagues below the sea and everything like to really get to the core of the story, you have to read like almost like a scientific essay or something. And uh, yeah, that was difficult as a, as a kid, but like you work your way through it and you can actually learn something from it. So if this interests you at all, uh, we're going to be doing these episodes semi-regularly. I'm not going to commit to like a monthly type of thing, but we're, we're going to be doing this because both, both of us love this genre and there's been some interest expressed for us to get into this kind of material uh, from, from the Patreon uh, subscribers. So this is going to be on Patreon. And uh, so, Ralph, what, what's going to be our first uh, episode about? What, what are we going to cover on our first episode? Okay, so before I tell you guys out there what we do, again, our our. Uh, not our bag, but like our, our, um, our, we want to ask you to contribute. So if you have weird fiction tales and stories that you think are worthwhile, um, just let us know in the comments. Um, hit us up, write us a mail or something. We're always interested in your favorites. Um, and we thought about like, okay, where do we start? And if you look up weird fiction on the internet and like for definitions, it's always the same thing. There's one word that's pioneer, and pioneer has three letters in it, and that spells Poe. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, so what better way to start with Poe? Um, better start with than with Poe. So that's an actual sentence. Um, and we thought about like, okay, of course, everybody knows the, the, the classic stories of Poe and we could start with one of the classics, but we decided, and that's because, yeah, there's a philosophic, philosophical aspect that we instantaneously had in mind that we will talk about. The first story we are going to approach is the man of the crowd. The story from 1840, it's a seven page short story of Poe. If you haven't read it, we highly suggest you do. It's probably cool to read the story before you listen to the podcast episode. But yeah, this will be our premiere Long Shadows episode, Edgar Allan Poe's The Man of the Crowd. So there you have it. And, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for listening. And if you're interested in this stuff, check it out on Patreon. Uh, also, uh, we have our Instagram um, account, which is uh, gaining speed. And thank you, everyone who followed us on Instagram. So please follow us on that. And, uh, and yeah, if you dig, dig this episode, please share it. You know, give us a review. It helps our visibility. And I thank everyone for listening. So talk to you next time.